Well, I got a message for you today. We've, we've been doing, um, we're in a series on um, going through our core values as a church. Again, we're, we're prayer walking our city. You maybe have saw a map out there. I see that the city's kind of starting to get filled up, which is really cool. Thank you guys for prayer walking. And if, by the way, if you haven't seen it, go check out where you live on that map and prayer walk some areas and then go prayer walk another one and come back and highlight it so we know what we're covering our whole city. While we're doing that, we're just, we just feel led to pray for our whole city, walk every street, avenue, um, every park. And while we're doing that, um, leading into the fall, fall tends to be a uh, swell for churches attendance wise. And so bring your friends, invite them. We want to give them opportunity to place their faith and trust in Jesus. We want to be evangelistic church. But while we're doing that, I thought it would be a good idea for us to hone in on the City Lights Church core values. So what, when someone walks through those doors or, we're in, or when you engage people in your city, what are the things, what is the, the things we want to have in our hearts? What is the, the core values that we want to have when we engage people in our city? And so that's why I've been going through these. I'll list them really quickly here. Um, number one, we love God passionately. That's our premier core value. Number two, we are a family. Number three, we honor people. Number four, God is good. We talked about that last week. Uh, number five, anything is possible. Number six, we rest in the finished work of the cross. Number seven, we live generously. Number eight, we serve wholeheartedly. Number nine, we value the family of Christ. And number 10, we will go, we will shine the light and love of Jesus everywhere we go. So those are our 10 core values. And um, last week, I did a message um, on God is good called Taste and See. Um, I'm actually, I'm going to kind of skip the review. So I just want to say, if, if you weren't here last week, it was a good message. Go to citylights.church and, and go to the media tab. You can listen um, to our message last week. But this is basically why I'm saying this um, is because I'm going to do a part two um, to God is good. I talked about God is good last week, and that sermon just kept getting longer and longer and longer. I was like, well, I can't fit this in one message. And so this week, I want to kind of do a part two to that to that message. But do yourself a favor. Go back and um, listen to that message, taste and see. Um, but the, the verse we use, Psalm 34, verse 8, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed are those who take refuge in him. And, and just, just a um, quick snapshot of that is this. Most Christians, I think, have an intellectual maybe understanding God is good. The Bible says it. I guess it must be true. But we don't really get it in our hearts many times. And, and God wants us to understand, not just in our heads, but in our hearts, that he is good. So he wants us to understand through and through. The two points that we covered in that sermon basically was this. God's presence is good, which you just experienced. God's presence is good, and we need that so bad in our lives. And number two, his will for your life is good. His will for you is good. And not some, and this is where I get hung up sometimes. I, think, I talk to Christians and they know God is good, but sometimes their version of good is not good. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, and so they have this twisted version of the goodness of God. And so I talked about last week, what, what does it mean? What is the goodness of God? What does that actually mean? And we don't want to have a twisted version of God's goodness. So his presence is good. His will for you is good. This week, I'm going to, basically, I'm going to do point number three this week. And then I'm going to kind of hammer this away from a few different angles, and we'll get it in our heads and in our hearts. Amen? So point number three, his presence is good. His will for you is good. Number three, Jesus is the clearest picture of God's goodness. Jesus is the clearest picture of God's goodness. The title of my message today is, He is Better Than You Think. He's better than you think he is. You might think he's good. He's better than that, right? 
We all have different ideas of what God is like. I just want to say he's better than you think he is. Amen? So let's get into that today. Listen, no clear picture of God's goodness and his will can be given than in the person of Jesus. No clearer picture of God's goodness and of his will can be given than in the person of Jesus. In the Old Testament, of course, the Bible, there's types and there's shadows of the New Covenant. There's types and shadows of Jesus all throughout the the Old Testament. But the Bible says that Jesus is the substance of those things. He is is the the exact representation of, of, of God's being. So Jesus, some of you may have heard this, Jesus is perfect theology. Jesus represented God perfectly. He is perfect theology. Jesus displayed the will, the character, and the nature of God to a T, perfectly, when he lived on his, on, in this world, when he lived his life. Hebrews chapter um, 1, verses 3 says this, The Son, speaking of Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things by his powerful word. After he had provided purification for our sins, he sat down at the right hand of majesty in heaven. Okay? Jesus is the exact representation of his being, of God's being. Amen? Let me give you another verse. Uh, John chapter 14, verses 6 through 9. Jesus is talking to Philip. Uh, Jesus answered, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. It's the only door. Verse 7. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Verse 8, Philip says this. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. All right, Philip's not getting it here, guys. Look at your neighbor and say you didn't get it. All right. Verse 9, Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been with you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? So Jesus says, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. If you've seen the Father, you've seen me, like we're one. Amen? Okay? So you want to know what the Father's like? You want to know what God is like? He looks like Jesus. Okay? He looks like the Jesus, the life that Jesus displayed here on earth. Okay? So I want to, just today, I want to show you the um, goodness of God personified in Jesus, basically from the beginning of Jesus' life, in the middle, and at the end of his life. Okay? And... Notice that every turn that Jesus and the Father are one. So the beginning, the middle, and the end of his life, Jesus perfectly represented God the Father. Okay, so let's start in the beginning. At the beginning of Jesus' life, he was born in Bethlehem in the manger, right? And there was a declaration to some shepherds living out in the fields, right? And the declaration, by the way, mankind had been uh, hopelessly alienated and separated from God. The Bible says, um, Romans uh, 5, 8, that while we were sinners, God died, God died for, or Christ died for the ungodly. Romans 5, 10, while we were actually enemies with God, Christ died for the ungodly. So when we were, we're not even friends, we're not even close to him, but while we were enemies, while we are separated, Jesus came and he made reconciliation. But when Jesus was born, the announcement um, to the shepherd, uh, shepherds in the fields went like this. Luke 2, uh, 8 through 14 And there were shepherds out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flock at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. I would be terrified too. That'd be kind of freaky. Verse 10, but the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Verse 11, today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. 
This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths, lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of heavenly hosts appeared with the angels, saying, Glory to God in the highest, and peace on earth to those on whom his favor rests. So the announcement, when Jesus is born, here's the announcement, here's the announcement to earth. Here's heaven's announcement to earth. I've come in peace. Hey, I've come in peace. I've come to make reconciliation. I've come to bring you close to me. I've come in peace. That is like the, the ultimate announcement of God's intention towards the earth. His intention towards the earth was, I've come to bring reconciliation. And Jesus was, was the, the goodness of God and the will of God personified in that baby, in that manger. And the announcement was, I've come in peace. Okay, that's the beginning of Jesus' life. Why did Jesus come in peace? Because the Father was coming in peace. Amen. They were one. They are one. All right, so let's look at the middle. The, the majority of our study here will be in the middle. Uh, a couple scriptures here. John chapter 5, 19. Um, Jesus gave him this answer. Verily, true, uh, truly, I tell you, the Son can do nothing by himself. He can only do what he sees the Father doing, because whatever the Father does, the Son does also. Okay? Jesus, listen to this, Jesus was the will of God in action. Jesus' life on earth was the will of God in action here on earth. Jesus' authority was God's authority. Jesus' power was God's power. Like, Jesus never went rogue, right? <laughs> Jesus never, there wasn't like a day where, you know, he mostly was obedient to the Father, walking in perfect, his perfect will and submission to the Father and, and unity. And then like one day he's like, I'm going over to, you know, I'm going over to Samaria just to hang out with some people and, you know, have some drinks or whatever. Like, he didn't go rogue. There wasn't one day he went rogue. You know, they were a united front. They were a united, a new united kingdom. They were, they were um, a united house, right? Amen? And so, how many, uh, how many parents do we have in the room? How many know that when you lead a household, it's important that mom and dad are a united front? Yeah. That we have unity. Like, one person tends to be, like in spinning, you have the gas pedal and you have the brake, right? <laughs> I don't know which one you are. Sometimes I'm the gas pedal, sometimes I'm the brake. I'd say I'm more the brake than you are, though, <laughs> to be honest. You know. But we try to be in unity. You know, unity about finances is good. Another really good place to be in unity in is, is with kids. Like, you can't have mom trying to raise kids one way, dad trying to raise kids another way. And sometimes there will be times my wife and I even disagree, like, what's the right thing to do? But we don't process that in front of the kids. Like, we need to maintain a united front in front of our kids. So I'll give you an example of this. My daughter, uh, Evie, her best friend lives two doors down from us. And sometimes she'll come to me, hey, can I go over to Ella's house? And, you know, sometimes as a parent, you're like, go ask your mom, right? Now, how many know if she goes and asks mom, and mom says, okay, it's okay if she goes. But if she comes to me and says, can I go to Ella's? And I say, no. And then she goes around my back and asks mom, can I go? And mom says, yes. And I find out later, like, there's going to be trouble now, right? So, like, my no is her no, and her no is my no. Like, we don't, like, I asked dad for ice cream. He said no. Mom said yes, or vice versa. Like, her no is my no. My no is her no. Why? We want to we have a united front. And listen, the Godhead, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is a united front. You don't have Jesus going rogue, trying to do different things. I think sometimes we think of the Godhead, like the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, like doing different things. Like, you got Jesus in a service, and Jesus is like, I just want to get people saved. I want them to come to know me. And then you got Holy Spirit, who's the party animal. And he just wants to get people filled and, like, 
speaking in tongues and doing like wild things. Like that's the Holy Spirit. And then Father God, maybe, I don't know what your version of maybe Father God is like, maybe his arms are full and he's kind of stoic at a distance, you know, like, like a Greek God or something like that. Kind of trying to control you, a little bit angry, but has to love you, you know. Like, <laughs> but Jesus is appeasing God. He's like, no, God, like don't crush them. He, lo- he does love you, you know. He really, <laughs> your father really does love you, you know. <laughs> he just gets angry sometimes, you know. Like, that's not happening. Like, they're in unity. They are, they are a united front. Amen? Amen? Okay, so let me, I want to illustrate this through, through a couple scriptures here. The Godhead is united. When, when Jesus, drove, Jesus drove out a demon that was making, in Mark, in Mark 3, uh, chapter 22, Mark chapter 3, 20, verse 22 through 26, Jesus drove out a demon that was making a man mute. And the man gets healed and he starts talking. And... Um, and the, the, this is the crowd's response. Uh, some were amazed, and some people accused Jesus of driving out a demon by the power of another demon. Okay, so, um, so this, is what, this is what happens. Mark uh, 3, 22 through 26. And the teachers of the law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Beelzebub, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over and began to speak to them. He said this, How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, that house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand, and his end has come. Okay? So a kingdom divided against itself will be ruined. A house divided against itself cannot stand. So good, good, good marriage teaching right there. You know, be on the same united front. Don't be telling the kids two different things, right? But really awesome when we look at God's kingdom. Does this make sense so far? All right, I want to flip this around then. So he's talking about the kingdom of darkness. Which, by the way, the kingdom of darkness has an organizational structure. There is a head, you know, and there are, you know, whatever, ranks and different kind of things like that. Otherwise, it would collapse. So let's flip this around and look at God's goodness and the will of God, okay? Jesus went through life, right, in this world. Jesus healed a lot of people, right? How many know Jesus healed a lot of people? He healed some folk, Okay. Listen, we don't have God making people sick and Jesus healing them for that very reason. Because if you had God making people sick and Jesus healing them, you have God fighting against Jesus and Jesus fighting against God. Okay? Jesus was, Jesus was healing people. If, if Jesus was healing people and God was making them sick, you have a divided house and that kingdom cannot stand. But you have them actually in a, on a united front Jesus is healing people because he saw the Father healing people. Jesus is healing people because the Father wanted to heal people. Amen? If you, listen, if you work in the medical field and you're helping make people whole who are sick and God's making them sick, you're fighting against God. Like you're in the wrong field, right? <laughs> Come on. This is good preaching. <laughs> or can it just be that Jesus was with God doing what he saw the Father doing, healing people because that's what the Father was doing? Or can it be if you're in the medical field, you're a healer, and you're in agreement with what God is doing because God is a healer. Amen? It's good stuff right there. Let me give you, I'll give you another example. I'm going to meddle more in your, your life and your theology. I'm just going to give you this to think about. <clears throat> you don't have God sending storms and Jesus calming storms. Like Jesus calmed some storms in his life. If that was the case, according to what Jesus said here, you would have a divided kingdom. And a house divided against itself cannot stand. You would have Jesus opposing God and God opposing Jesus. But my question is, how can God oppose God? Like, Jesus is God, right? How can God oppose God? How can he stand against himself? He can't. 
he's in unity with himself. He's going in the same direction as himself. I know, it's kind of a funny way to say that. So I have an illustration for this. How many have seen the movie Liar, Liar? Liar, Liar, Jim Carrey. There's a scene where he can't lie. He's a lawyer and he can't lie anymore, so, which is a dilemma, I'm, apparently. <laughs> because the lawyers, I think, need to lie. So, um, but he can't lie. He needs to get out of this case. He's like, how do I get out of this case? So there's a scene here where he's trying to figure out how he can get out of this case. Go ahead and roll that clip. How am I going to get out of this? Think, think, owie, owie. That's what it looks like to fight against yourself. <laughs> Do we have the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit doing that? No. By the way, another thing Jesus was against, that the Father was against, was religiosity. So if that offended you, uh, I don't know. Jesus, we can, we can do that in church, right? Okay. And I edited out some words there. So, all right. But, but listen, you got Jesus healing the sick because the Father wanted to heal sick. You got Jesus calming storms because there were storms that were going to hurt people. The Father wanted to calm some storms. They are one, right? And by the way, I learned this when I was in Israel, but um, on the Sea of Galilee there, those afternoon winds are very common because the, the cold, dry air from the Golan Heights flows down to the warm, um, warm air from the Sea of Galilee that's below sea level, and they cause great storms. So very typical, very like we have here in Colorado, those afternoon thunderstorms. That's very typical over in Israel, too. And so, um, but Jesus was calming, and in a couple cases, he calmed storms that, you know, I don't know where this is at in the theology. I know God is sovereign, in control, all that good stuff. Is he causing all the weather? But listen, Jesus calmed those storms. So we at least have some biblical foundation that not every storm maybe was like the direct will of God, right? Okay? So... Jesus isn't fighting against God. God's not fighting against Jesus. There's also one particular instance I'll just touch on real quick. Jesus and Jesus is um, heading to Jerusalem with his disciples. They go by a Samaritan town. And the Samaritan town, um, they want to stay the night there. And they didn't receive them in that town, right? They didn't receive them in the town. And, and the disciples are ticked off, right? They're mad. They didn't let us sleep there. This is what they asked Jesus. They said, Jesus, do you want us to call down fire on them? Do you want us to kill them like Elijah did? Do you want us to call down fire on them? This is what Jesus' response was. Jesus, Jesus turned and rebuked them and said, you do not know what manner of spirit you are of. Right? 
He wanted to, they wanted to destroy town. He says, you don't know what manner of spirit you have. You don't know the Father. You don't know what he's doing. And I just want to put this out to you. I wonder how many times we've cursed a city, a state, or a country because we think God's against them, but actually God wants to bless them. And, and maybe we're of the wrong spirit sometimes when we think those kind of things. I just want to put that out, let you think about that. But just because, you know, there's certain parts of the world or whatever parts of the country we think, you know, let them burn or whatever, like maybe you're of the wrong spirit. Just put that and think about that, okay? So that's the middle of Jesus' life. Now let's jump to the end of Jesus' life here on earth. Obviously, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus is kind of the ultimate picture of God's goodness towards us and his will towards us, right? That's like the slam dunk like picture of God's goodness and his love towards us. But I want to focus on the account of his life after his ascension. Peter, um, Peter's preaching at Cornelius' Cornelius's house in Acts 10.34. Let me read this real quick. Acts 10, 34 through 38. Then Peter began to speak. I now realize how true it is that God does not show favoritism, but accepts from every nation the one who fears him and does what is right. How many Gentiles say amen? amen. He accepts everyone. Um, you know the message God sent to the people of Israel announcing the good news of peace through Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all. Verse 37. You know what has happened throughout the providence of Judea, beginning in Galilee, after the baptism that John preached. Check this out. Verse 38. How God anointed Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth with the Holy Spirit and with power, and how he went around doing good and healing all who are under the power of the devil, because God was with him. Okay, this is an account of Jesus' life afterwards. He went around doing what? He went around doing good. What is good? Healing all who are under the power of the devil. Okay? So pretty clear there. When people were sick under the power, he was healing people under the power of who? They were under the power of the devil. (laughs) He was healing them because they were under the power of the devil. Brought them under the power of God. Notice he said all. You guys know what all means here in the Greek? All actually means all in the Greek. Go ahead and say it. All means all. Okay, good. You You got it in your mind now. Why was Jesus uh, healing all? Because he saw in heaven Father God was healing all. He was only doing what he saw the Father doing. He was, he was, he was exercising and, and doing God's will to a T. Why did Jesus go around doing good? Because the Father is good. Why did Jesus heal all who was oppressed by the devil? Because Father God wanted to heal all who were oppressed by the devil. He wanted to do good to all. Amen? He's better than you think. He's better than you think he is. <clears throat> and I just want to just encourage you this morning. If you are going through circumstances, by the way, Taylor, who opened the service today, she basically like preached my message. <laughs> good job, Taylor. That was a good opener, man. And a good place, right, to springboard into worship. If you're going through some circumstances and you're confused by them, they don't make sense to you. Um, like, life is like that. We go through things. Things are confusing. Things are hard. I know a lot of people who had a crazy town week, right? And my, my encouragement to you is look to Jesus. If you're confused by life circumstances, look to Jesus. Jesus is God's will personified. Jesus is God's grace personified. Jesus is God's goodness personified towards you. And like, if it doesn't make sense, look at Jesus and be like, well, that's the will of God right there for my life. Like the way Jesus acted, he healed all who were under the power of the devil. Why? Because God was with him and he was anointed with the Holy Spirit and with power. And listen, you know, remember those, uh, I don't know, when I was a teenager, young adult, those bracelets used to be kind of popular. They said WWJD. What would Jesus do? So it's like when you're ready to cut someone off in traffic or flip them off or whatever, 
whatever your thing was that you're going to get into, you'd look at that brace and be like, Jesus wouldn't do that, so I'm not going to, right? Well, listen, I was thinking a better version of that brace would be this. W-I-J-D. What is Jesus doing? Because it wasn't just what Jesus did, it's what he's actually doing now. Because the Father is still at work even today. The Father's work even now. Jesus is at work today and even now, right? And so in our lives, the question is, when we go out, how do we shine? How do we shine Jesus, the light and love in our world? How do we shine when people walk through these doors? We do what the Father is doing. We do what Jesus is doing. He's grace personified. Amen? And so I just want to release that to you today, give that to you today. And... Um, yeah, hopefully you got something out of that. He's the will of God personified. He's the grace of God personified. They're in perfect unity, and I'm going to pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for today. I thank you for every individual, God, in this room, Lord God. I thank you, God, that you are good. You're a good papa. You're a good father, Lord. You have good intentions for our lives, Lord God. I said this last week. That doesn't mean we have everything figured out. That doesn't mean we have questions. That doesn't mean you don't discipline us at times, Lord. Sometimes you correct us. We understand that because a good father corrects his kids. A good father doesn't let his kids run around crazy. So, Lord, sometimes you even correct us, Lord God. And that's uncomfortable. But, Lord, we thank you that you're, you do it out of love. You're a good papa. You're guiding us. You're leading us. You are sovereign. You are in control. And we thank you for that, God. We thank you for your leadership in our lives, Lord God. And we thank you, God, that we can ultimately rely that you have, God, your, um, our best in mind, Lord God. Ultimately, God, we know that our lives, you, you love us and you have our best in mind, Lord God. So we just love you. We thank you for that. In Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. Awesome. All right, listen, last two weeks, um, I've talked about his goodness and his will. Again, if you missed that message from last week, go check it out. Um, but I want to kind of get into some application. Next week, I'm going to talk about the core value of anything is possible. And that'll be kind of some of the application of what I've talked about today with God's will. And the week after that, I'm going to put your mind at ease, and we're going to talk about we rest in the finished work of the cross. And we'll talk about how it doesn't rely on you. It actually relies on him. Amen? Just like this church doesn't rely on me, it relies on God's grace. So, um, awesome. Or I'm going to just pray, bless you guys, and we'll release you. Father, we thank you for this amazing church, for these people. We bless them today. I just pray as they go out, Lord, they would shine your light and love in this city and in this world, Lord God, because I thank you, God. You're good. You're shining, Lord God, and I pray that we would shine too. We love you in Jesus' name, and everybody said amen. amen. Awesome. Well, God bless you guys. 